0: and welcome to Occupied, your fortnightly podcast for all things occupation and occupational therapy. This week we are having a chat with Alondra, who, as well as being an amazing OT, is also delving into the world of YouTube to help promote the profession and increase its diversity. But I've got another one that I recorded the other day of just me, so I've got something else. To put out, I think that one might yeah. rustle a few jimmies. We'll see.
1: Oh gosh, rock the boat What's the topic. Uh,
0: no, I, I have to wait. No, you can. Do I have to wait. It. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> I know, I've got no secrets. Um, <laughs> I presented an alternative uh, view on the whole gender equity issue with OT. Uh
1: huh. So okay.
0: So I, and I was trying very hard not to like, say, like pick a side, although well, I'm sure most people would right. just assume that I'm on the, we need more men's side because obvious.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, but I'm not necessarily. And I think well, the view that I, because I had a look at the, so there was a paper that came out in the Canadian journal, I think just recently, okay. like in the last month or so about this and highlighting, it was more of a highlighting what what the literature so far has said about it. And Mm -hmm. then it added in the, um, you know, the the usual arguments around uh, men get paid more, men, uh, there's more men in management positions, that kind of stuff. It sort of added that to the mix. Mm -hmm. Um, And my alternative view is that if you look at OT as a culture, which it is, Mm Um, And, you know, we know what a culture is. A culture is a group of shared values. That's why OT is a culture. The gender mix of the profession is what actually shaped those shared values. So if we change that, we're going to change the culture of OT. The culture. So we're going to change OT at its grassroots if we mess with that. And I wasn't saying that that was good or bad. I'm just saying that it doesn't seem like having a look at all these papers and all this research and all this stuff that people are posting, it doesn't seem like anyone's even considered that. Right. Everyone is just then, looking at the sort of superficial things of, you know, well, it needs to be 50-50. Well, why? Why does it need to be 50-50? Well,
1: well why? Yeah. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. And I think that's actually a pretty interesting point to bring up because I don't think people think of how the culture of OT has been shaped from its, like, since its inception, you Mm. know, and and how women have had this, you know, have had that impact. Although we do have, you know, very early on male figures that had a hand during its inception. um, Still, like, we would be changing that dynamic a little bit. And then is that a good thing or a bad thing? You know what I mean? How will that then... Affected, and then speaking of the roles of like you know pay equality and all that stuff, then you know would be would we be seeing more inequality, you know, with what we're asking? Well, yeah, but,
0: and that's that's the thing. Yeah. Like, I'm, I, that's my because a lot of people are, and I see a lot of people presented as almost opposing arguments, which is why I kind of went. I know, well, like, I was trying not to take a side, even though I don't actually think there are sides in this argument. A lot of people kind of see it as one, we need 50-50, so we need more men. And then the other is we need more women to be paid the same and me in those sort of management positions. So I'm like adding more men isn't going to fix that yep. and fixing that no. isn't going to add more men. So like yeah. fundamentally they're opposing, although I think both of them are completely missing the mark on what's actually going to happen if you do either one of those.
1: Yeah. I I I don't know that I've heard it like in that way that they say you know they kind of want 50/50. I think in general it would be a good idea to have more male therapists. I think they there needs to be more representation, but I don't see it for that reason. Like I don't see it that we need to have an equal number of mm. men. I think we just need more. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think it's just to help kind of break that stereotype of OT is predominantly women and and mainly females go into this profession, unlike physical therapy, where, you know, we find we see more men in that profession. Um, but I also think like even in, in different settings, the value that, you know, certain male therapists bring and certain connections that a male therapist can make with, with clients, I think they there's there's just something different about that. And I think it's a good thing. Hmm. You know, but I don't know that it necessarily needs to be I don't know that we need it to be fifty fifty. I don't know that it needs to be I just think it would be nice to have a little bit more. But not for those reasons.
0: And see the the other thing, yeah, and I, I completely agree with you. Uh I like I said, I don't necessarily think we need that. Well, you know, more men sure, yeah. but how many, before it starts changing the actual profession yeah. itself. But I think one yeah. of the other things that, and I didn't actually mention this in that podcast, but I was thinking about it afterwards, was if we look at the what makes up OT, but we take out the, the, the sex completely, and we look at it from a point of, say, personality traits,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I think you would find that, OT attracts people or people, you know, uh, do better in OT that have certain personality traits, whatever they might be. Be that male or female, doesn't matter. But I think what you will find is that because the profession itself attracts some people with certain personality types, the personality types that it attracts are predominantly found in women, which I think is why there's so many women. In, mm-hmm. uh, in OT, I think actually looking at it from a point of here's this there's this many men and this many women is is irrelevant. Yeah, in a lot of ways, yeah. and like I get why people look at it. And um, I saw a thing, one of those like motivational quote things on I think it was on Instagram <laughs> the other day, and it was essentially saying that you will always see the evidence that supports your argument. Right. So, and that, one of the other things I mentioned in that particular article was I've never spoken to a man who has an issue with the, the, uh, like the, the split.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And even having, think,
0: Even having a look in that paper that I was reading the other day, a lot of the authors were all women.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think you guys kind of have like, it's almost, it's, it's very unique, you know, to be one of the few, you know, male therapists in the profession. And I think, I I don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't know that we, we need more, but Mm -hmm. in a way it's kind of like, you are there, you are one of the few and, and it's a good thing, but I think it's more so kind of like what you're saying, speaking to the personality piece to it, it just naturally, kind of um, attracts those type of people. And yeah, if we're solely looking at personality.
0: And, and I mean, if, if that does it, look like that's how it happens is, you know, through personality traits or something like that, then there's only going to be two ways that you can change the ratio is one change a profession. So it appeals to personality traits that might be more held by men than women. Or, change the whole of society so that more men have those personality traits. And I don't, again, I don't think either of those are viable. Diversity seems to be one of your interest areas from what Mm -hmm. I've seen. Any, any aspect of that in particular that you're very sort of passionate about?
1: Um, Yeah. I just think that in, in general, I think, that this profession, I mean, when you look at, in the United States anyways, you look at like the stats of uh, race and gender, um, people of color are very much in the minority, gender, male, very much in um, the minority. But I think that, you know, there are other groups within our profession that aren't necessarily represented, um, but they have a presence within our, our profession as well you know, such as individuals with disability, um, veterans. And I think that um, because people, they just seem to find out about occupational therapy so late in life or just like, you know, as an adult versus, you know, a, as a teenager or a little kid, everyone knows about a doctor or lawyers, you know, but what about occupational therapy? And I think that our profession anyways, in, 2020, uh, 2017, I believe, was the centennial vision, and it spoke to like creating a diverse workforce, an inclusive and diverse workforce, and because they're trying to change with the times, basically, you know, America is it's a melting pot, and so I think to accommodate for the people that we're serving, they're starting to recognize the value that. Um, people of color, and these these underrepresented groups bring to the profession. And so when where I come from when I say, you know, creating a diverse and inclusive workforce, it's not that I want to meet a, a quota, like we need this many Black people, Spanish, Hispanic, yeah, yeah, or, yeah. you know, better. It doesn't matter. It's just a matter of bringing more awareness very uh, at an earlier stage, introducing occupational therapy, and it um creating some excitement around that very you know very young in age for some of these kids so that they they learn about the profession and you know gain interest and some of these people very much you know have that personality that we were talking that you were talking about but you know they would never go towards occupational therapy because they might never learn about it or they'll find out about it later on in life so my thing is if we're talking about expanding our profession and creating, you know, making it more colorful or however you want to frame it, then we need to start advocating in a way that puts these underrepresented groups on display and let them be the voice to advocate and encourage people to not just learn about the profession, but like, Come join us, you know, so that we can better serve. Join us. You know, so, so like for me, I was part like when I was in school, I was part of a health career academy and we would go to a local high school and we would talk about all these different fields in the medical field. And, and, you know, I had the opportunity of talking about occupational therapy and the kids are like, what's that? And then I, you know, gave all these different examples and then they're like, oh, and then they're like, my grandma, she had a stroke. And, oh, I know someone who broke their hip and I know a kid with autism. And so like, you just see a, like a light bulb go on. And some people were just like, that's so cool. And then when you start talking about all the different settings that we can work in and all the different roles we can take whether it's educator or researcher or practitioner you know actually hands-on in the clinic or creator inventor you know like there's just the options are endless and that you know you see the excitement and and then the interest too they're like oh my gosh I didn't even know that this was a thing and these are the people that we want to 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 educate like hey this like early on so that way they start having it in their mind that maybe one day they'll They want to become an occupational therapist and not just a a physical therapist or a doctor or a a nurse like there there are other options um so that's kind of where my my passion lies with increasing diversity, so I love to interview people that represent that as well so that people see themselves represented in an individual um, whether it's the qualities that that individual possesses, you know, leadership qualities, or maybe it's a setting that they're working in that interests that, that individual, and they want to learn more about, but um, yeah.
0: Cause yeah. so I, I only cause I know from what I've seen you post and our, our conversations uh, that your description of veterans and people who don't find OT until later in life is very much your story, is it not?
1: Yeah. So it's a little bit cause, of because you were
0: little... uh, Air Force in the Air Force for a, a yes. while, and then yeah, assuming and you went straight from that into uni, or you did something in between
1: after the Air Force. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no. After the Air Force, I was going to practice or go to school for uh, dental hygiene, which is what I did in the air force. Um, but then that changed and I ended up pursuing a degree in, in kinesiology because of the interest in biomechanics. But I, OT still wasn't an interest at that time. Cause I had still never heard of occupational therapy. <laughs> so
0: how how Until, did you hear about
1: it? Well, I, I first heard about it in, Undergrad we had a presenter come in and talk about it, but I but it was such a brief introduction that I I didn't even know what it was Like I didn't put it together. So I just kind of like heard about it and then that was it But but when I had a family member who became very ill um, I started looking at the different type of uh, Rehab that she would need in order to be able to go back home and live independently because this is a lady who is completely independent, lived alone, no children. So she was going to be returning home by herself. And and that worried me a lot because she was in very uh, a very, very critical condition. So that's how I ended up doing my research and found occupational therapy.
0: So you found it yourself then. It wasn't that someone sort of showed you or anything like that.
1: No. And then when I found when I when I saw occupational therapy, I made the connection that I heard it, you know, early in undergrad. But I, I was like, as I started reading more about what occupational therapists uh, did and what the profession was about, I was like, this is it. This is everything that I've been looking for. Like, why didn't I learn about this sooner? What what, what happened? Um because I was in such a funk. I was like, I wanted to do physical therapy. And then I said, no, I don't want to do that. Something's missing. And then I was like, oh, maybe I'll just be a dentist because I worked in the dental field in the Air Force. And I was like, no, something's missing. And, and it just so happened that through my, my family members' health crisis that I found occupational therapy. And I was like, this is, this is what was missing. This has everything that was missing for me. So perfect.
0: So what do you, so in saying that, like trying to tie in what we were talking about before, how we need to try and introduce it to people earlier, what sort of things do you have in mind? How do we do that?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a challenge. That's a big challenge, <laughs> yeah. challenge and undertaking because, I mean, I it's 2018 and there are like, medical professionals that don't know what occupational therapy
0: I have met quite a few of them
1: (laughs) exactly so it's like it's a huge undertaking to try to advocate for the profession period Mm. Um, but I think that one way we start that is by um, presenting it to the the future which in for me is is the youth you know, they are the ones who are eventually going to become the practitioners, you know, at some point if they choose that. So I think that the early, the earlier we introduce our profession to individuals, the better. Um, so my kids, you know, the 10-year-old, he knows what occupational therapy is. And he will sometimes tell his classmates what occupational therapy is <laughs> and what I do, you know. And so I'm like, yes, talk about it, talk about it. And anytime anyone asks me, you know, what do you do? I'm an occupational therapist. They're like, oh, like physical therapy. And I'm I'm like, no, but here's my opportunity to educate you. And then I, you know, give them my OT, whatever. Um, But I, I think anytime we have an opportunity to talk about our profession, advocate for our profession, I think we just have to take advantage of that. And that's how we start spreading the word. Um, I mean, for me, it, it happens to be that I have that YouTube channel. And I mean, I don't know. I don't know what will become of that. But I think it's just a great resource. YouTube in general, I think it's just a great resource, uh, you know, for anyone all over the place. Um, so I think that's another avenue. Social media is really good for that. I think this you know podcast is extremely another great media for advocating for occupational therapy um I was going to also- ask
0: you about you, your YouTube channel was your YouTube channel the thought process in starting it was that in order to do this kind of stuff or did you start it just as a you know something to do or like why what was the the motivation behind the YouTube channel cuz that's where I initially found you was yeah. on your YouTube channel cuz it popped up in my um was it recommended? or well, other videos you may like, kind of thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's popping up on there for people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so actually, the idea of the YouTube channel came out of a little bit of frustration that I had about how I felt like I feel like it's easy to talk. You know, I feel like it's easy for people to talk and say, "Oh, we need to do this. Oh, we need to do that. Oh, we need more of this." Oh, we need more of that. But I'm like, what are you, what are we doing about it? Like talk is cheap. You know, for me, it's action and and what's being done about that. So the idea of the video came out of frustration of people just talking. And I was like, why is there not enough representation? Like we're saying we want it, but, but why is there not enough? Talk is cheap. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm just gonna do this channel and I, I'm I'm gonna talk about you know OT and I'll talk about my journey as an entry-level therapist. And and initially the idea was just kind of like journaling or my my experience as an OT student, transitioning mm-hmm. into practice or whatever. And then it eventually turned into. You know, as as I did it, I was like, you know what? This this platform, YouTube, has so much power um, that I feel like that's that's too small. Just journaling my my experience, I think that's just part of what can be done. And then the idea of interviewing people came about, and um, making sure that I felt that I was interviewing people that represented. Um, or that share the same passion and values about, you know, increasing diversity or or even, I mean, the passion that some of these people have, all of them have passion, you know, and that's what made me want to interview them in the first place. And I'm like, you are someone that people would love to hear from, you know, and people will identify with things that you're saying, you need it, you need to talk, Let's let's put you on my channel. And even if they're just, You know, some of these people are, were my classmates, but they have such great energy and passion and they want to share their experience and, and they're willing. And so, you know, I know I can ask them because I know that they, they want to spread the word about occupational therapy as well. So it's kind of become something a little bit bigger than what I initially intended it to be. Yep. And I'm not exactly sure where that's going still, but but that's now kind of like the path that it's going to. And I'm really excited because I have so many more ideas and different people that I want to interview. And,
0: and it, it, sound, it sounds quite similar to uh, like why I started this. Yeah. And like various other projects that I've done over the years was to – I've always thought that there's so much amazing stuff happening – out there that you know you hear about it every now and then like therapists are just doing some amazing stuff working in amazing areas have amazing stories but most people don't get to hear it so I had an interest in you know technology and all that kind of stuff and I have Mm -hmm. a fairly wide network of people that I can actually try and get some of those stories and like you mentioned, some of that passion that people have for whatever their interest area is, and for the most part, the people I've inter- interviewed have got so like st- stuff that I've never even thought of.
1: Right, right, like it's
0: so different from my area, but it's yeah. it's their passion for it and for the profession that is what I want to showcase and you know show people the kinds of stuff that's going on out there they just wouldn't normally get they wouldn't normally hear it
1: right and that's that's a huge part of interviewing some of these people is because i feel like um how do i say this <laughs> but you know there are like you said there there are amazing people in the profession and they are doing some great Things like beyond amazing things. Now, will they ever get recognized for it? You know, some of these people never do, but if we have a platform where we can provide space for these amazing people to share their experience, their stories that, you know, what it is that they're doing, you know, maybe that then can inspire other people, you know, to get, um, to become interested in those same areas or, you know, bring more recognition to that individual um, in a way that's appropriate. And, I mean, like I said, technology in general, whether it is through podcasting or YouTube, I mean, social media, it is a very powerful um, platform and and tool. So I I just feel like there are just so many, there are just – I mean, there's just so many great people, and I feel like they need to be. They need the spotlight. They need the spotlight. So, um, so yeah, do that's you, what I, I. Another thing that I love to do on the channel.
0: Yeah, de- yeah, definitely. Do you feel that YouTube is? Because I've never done anything on YouTube. Do you feel like it's a fairly accessible media for most people to to get involved in, or does it take a bit of sort of? um like equipment and getting started and that kind of stuff
1: um no i don't feel like it takes i mean i i literally all of my videos have been recorded on my phone thus far except for maybe like the first two which i did on my computer so i don't use any special lighting i don't use i don't use anything i have a tripod that i bought which is a selfie stick and it converts into a tripod. And that's about as fancy as I get. Um, Which
0: is is very impressive (laughs) because your videos are like ultra HD. Like I I honestly thought they were filmed with a DSLR or something because they're like really high quality videos.
1: You know, I'm a a, a Samsung phone lover, like to the core. And I just think the quality is amazing. But, you know, there's a quote and I can't think of how it is, but sometimes – it, it's basically saying that, um, if you wait for the right things to fall into place before you start, you, you'll, you'll never start. You know what yeah, I mean? Yep. Sometimes you just, you just got to go for it. And, um, I, I was watching some like inspirational videos and things like that and how to get started in YouTube and things. And, and they were just saying like, if you're waiting to get that, that camera, that microphone or whatever, you know, like you're, you might be waiting forever, just go for it. And then as you're your channel is growing and you're building and, you know, as things change, then you upgrade, mm. you know? So I, I uh, just, or my husband just got me um, a Canon, Canon or Nikon, that's really bad. I should know this. Um, <laughs> so I've, I've upgraded now. Um, I haven't yet, I haven't recorded anything on that camera yet, but I mean, it's it's just a process and I don't feel like, I don't feel like anyone needs anything fancy to do, you know, to start out and everything that I do on my videos, like the, the wording, the editing or whatever pictures, I learned all of that through YouTube.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's, it sounds like we've, on terms of that, we've gone through a very similar journey because I learned pretty much everything I know about podcasting from podcasts. Yeah. (laughs) And likewise, like I've got a little bit of equipment now, but I didn't start with that, and and I was one of those people as well. Like I first thought about starting a podcast, I think it was about four years ago. Um, yeah, and I was way, I was in a different job, I was in completely different circumstances at the time, and I had started researching like what's involved and what I would need to start and all that kind of stuff, yeah. and it just went nowhere. And I had a really close friend of mine earlier this year who just, like I was telling her about, you know, like I've always wanted to do this and blah, blah, blah. She was like, just do it. And she kind of pushed me oh a God. little bit.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, I think yeah. I was
0: in uh, like an electronics store at the time and she was like, like pushed me to buy the microphone and just start. And it was I'm still have it somewhere. It's not the microphone. <laughs> it's not this microphone. <laughs> pushed me to start and and yeah so like started with that and just learned and like i even now like i go back and i listen to like the first episodes and they sound different as i get along and then i've got you know again like you said like you gradually upgrade to stuff and now i've got a couple of mics and mobile recording and like i've got my sort of system even around recording and then editing and blah, 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 like worked right, out right. so that it's a lot smoother and it's a lot more efficient. And I think the sound quality is better than, you know, than it was at the start, but it's, it's been a process. But if I had a waited to get to this before I'd even started, like this will be exactly. episode 20 something, 21, 22, something yeah. like that. Um, yeah. Like if I had to wait until then, like literally in those twenty episodes there's I'm gonna guess ten hours probably a bit more yeah. than ten hours of content with some phenomenal clinicians and be rambling about stuff. Um that, you know, people so I, I like I've had feedback from about different podcasts where people like like I really like that. I learned something off that person and blah blah blah. Like there's right. that there's that 10, 11 hours worth of content, probably more actually, that wouldn't have seen the light of day. All because I was, you know, too scared to pull the trigger
1: and got a kick
0: in the bum from my friend. But um, it's one of those things, same sort of thing, like just do it. And like I've had someone, I think it was Anita Hamilton, I don't know if it was on the podcast or in a conversation that we had, she was like, she made comment about how, and I do have a tendency to do this is just dive in and then work it out because yeah. um, <laughs> I've done that with quite a few little yeah, projects over I, I, the years
1: I'm very much that way too, and and you know it, it works for me anyways, I learn a lot from that process from just go, going in and just seeing where where it takes me, and I mean, if anything, I feel like it really helps me clarify my vision for the next time Hmm. it really helps me hone in to to what i want to change what you know what i want to do better what whatever um but without that experience of just like let's just go in see where this takes me because that's basically what this my youtube channel was kind of like well let's just start and let's see where this takes me um it really has helped to kind of shape the way i'm i'm creating this channel and how I want it to go. And I think the great thing about, about this is that we have total creative freedom to decide how we want to do it. You know, who we interview, if we want to start, stop, what like we have that total freedom, but I think just diving in and just going for it. And I think for a lot of people fear in general is, is the thing that stops many many people from doing a lot of things and (laughs) if we live in that space or create excuses because uh, sometimes fear will show up in excuses you know well well I can't do that right now it's just not the time you know what I can't do that right now I you know I'm trying to work things out but it, it stems from fear and if we allow that to hold us back like I mean look your channel would not have you know 18, 19, 20 recordings this far your podcast and I wouldn't have 19 videos this far so I mean we'll figure it out along the way and the equipment will come as as it may and it shouldn't stop shouldn't stop anybody though if you if you really want if you really want to do it just like just do it just I'm telling you.
0: In. and that's like I've, I've been able to talk with and and help some other people start or consider podcasts and stuff as well now like um I remember when I first met Uh, Sarah Putt, who runs the OT for Life podcast, Mm -hmm. Uh, she was very much like I was initially, except she had already started recording. I think she had like 15-something episodes recorded, but hadn't pulled the trigger and actually released anything when, when I first met her, so I was able to just peer pressure (laughs) into starting Um, but then like since then and we've both been involved in talking with other people about like okay they want to start a podcast here's what you need to know here's what you can start with bare basics it's really easy like yes I've got this equipment you don't need that to start here's all you need to know like decent mic technique and a little baby bit of editing on this completely free program you can record like you do on your phone like you can record a podcast on your phone like phone microphones yeah. nowadays are really really good you, yeah that, i mean look my, my videos
1: enough. are all phone yeah, microphone i don't have an external
0: they're phenomenal so, um so like it's in it, that fear and it makes me wonder i'm to come full circle now um whether that same fear about uh, whatever it is, like pulling the trigger on something or discussing certain topics is the same fear that has stopped us as a profession in general with other things, like discussing what we do. Because I know mm-hmm. a lot of clinicians, I've spoken to a lot of clinicians that are, one, terrified if they ever ask the question, what is OT? And I deliberately really? ask that, yeah. I deliberately ask that in some of my classes that I teach. And if I have a chance in when I do a conference presentation or something, I'll ask. Because I like it amuses me. I don't like it, but it amuses me watching that many right. people squirm in their seats over a question that should be like one oh one basic for right. an O T. We yeah. shouldn't we shouldn't be that scared of being asked what we do. Like it seems ridiculous when you say it out loud.
1: You know, I wonder if they fear of, uh, you know, because you're an occupational therapist asking another occupational therapist. And I, I, you know, sometimes I wonder if people fear like, oh my gosh, my definition is going to be completely wrong, you know, so I got to make sure I say the right thing. But I mean, that actually kind of surprises me because I, I mean, I see it as an opportunity to advocate for our profession. And although, I mean, I think we all know the definition of occupational therapy to, you know, across the board for a lot of practitioners may be different. Um, but I think the underlying theme is, is independence and increasing that independence. Um, but, but, I mean, I don't know that there's a wrong answer to that, you know. But I, I wonder whether I mean, it's that fear
0: that there might be that like you said like people think oh you know my answer might be wrong or it might be different to everyone else's answer and like i wonder if right. it's that fear that stops us just talking about it in general cuz yeah. i know a lot of people um, i i still i have heard from a lot of people that'll go like when they're asked like by general public sort of thing oh it's kind of like physio or or they start giving practice examples instead of actually mm-hmm. saying what an ot does and right, I wonder whether right. or not it's it's to do with or at least compounded by that, that fear of, well, wh- what if I'm wrong? I don't think OTs as a whole are really – obviously, there are exceptions and this is going to be a gross generalization. But I think as a profession, yeah. as a whole, I don't think we're super confident in ourselves. Yeah.
1: I, I I think because OT in general is so broad, and I mean we work. I mean our profession is pretty unique. Like we could have a desk job, we could have, um, uh, uh, you know, a job in a school. We could have a job in a clinic. We could have a job in a hospital, skilled nursing, uh, creating. Uh, devices for individuals who had a stroke or whatever like I mean we could work with horses we can work almost anywhere and I think that's what makes it hard to give like a concrete definition of what occupational therapy is um and I think I wonder if that's maybe what what makes it challenging for practitioners to define what it is. I don't know. But for, for me personally, I always look at occupational therapy as, I mean, it really doesn't matter if we're an educator or a practitioner in a clinic or a researcher. I think at the end of the day, our focus and our goal as occupational therapists is to really help individuals become as independent as possible and engage in things that they love that occupy their time. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it if they're a child or an adult or if you're doing research and you're, you know, researching an article, at the end of the day, it all trickles down to how are we helping an individual participate in occupation as independently as possible.
0: And see, right there, just that right there is like a perfect summary of what I, I feel an OT does. And it doesn't really matter what field it is doesn't matter right. if you're working in mental health or you're working in, you know, stroke rehab or you're working in hypotherapy, which I've only just learned recently is a thing or <laughs> like anyway, like, but that's what we, that's what we do is we work with people to try and get them back engaged with the occupations that they want and need to do. Like,
1: right.
0: I, and yes, now- you may have to explain what occupation is. And I think that's, in a lot of cases, where people get stuck because they don't want to or they think it's, they just automatically assume that people don't understand it. When, in my experience, if you explain it, it makes a lot of sense to people. It's the things that occupy your time. Like, that makes sense.
1: And we may have to give examples, you know, like, Uh, when when we're explaining it to someone, we're like, okay, help people engage in things that occupy their time. So for you as an adult, when you wake up in the morning, you have to brush your teeth. That's occupying your time. You go drive your car to work. That's occupying your time. You're at work, you're working, you're you're occupying, you know, your time is being occupied as a child, you know, they're playing. That's what's occupying their time. It's just, so sometimes we have to give examples with that. And I think the general definition of of what I stated independence to occupy their Mm. time, that's like the, the most Mm. basic (laughs) definition of, of occupational therapy, because the way we go about helping people
0: Mm. to gain that independence
1: to occupy their time. Now that is, that can be completely different, you know,
0: (laughs) but I think it's important. I think it's important to explain that though. And like, like you yeah. said, what you just did, like the example you just gave of when you're talking to someone else and the examples there, I think is a much better way of doing it in that you're highlighting things for them. You're not giving, well, these are the things I might do for someone in my particular practice area. It's like this is right. occupation in relation to you, which I think is then going to give someone whoever you're explaining it to a much better grasp on, well, what is it? Because you've just yeah. highlighted what it is for them.
1: Right. And I try to make it in a way that it's not, you know, negative or scary. So I would never say something like, you know, imagine that, you know, you have a stroke and then you can't brush your teeth. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and sometimes it's easy to kind of do that because um, it, it can. I mean, it, for some people, it might scare them and really put things into perspective. But I think that um, it, they may not necessarily relate or identify with that it may be something they they're familiar with but it hasn't happened to them up to that point so you tell them like you know when you wake up in the morning you brush your teeth that's something that occupies their time they're like oh yeah i do yeah i do that um you know and and so then i say you know imagine if you know you're not able to brush your teeth for whatever reason how are you going to do that Mm. now they're like, um, maybe with my left hand. Okay, well, if you've never worked with your left hand, who's going to teach you? Or if you have some movement in your right hand and you want to do it, how are you going to do that? Hmm. You know what I mean? That's where we come in. We're the problem solvers. And we find, we, we find a way. Where there's a will, there's, there's a way. That's and if catchy. you have anything, <laughs> we see, we're like, oh, I see some movement. I'm working with that. You know, like we work with what you do have and the potential that you do have in your motivation you know, versus what can you not
0: do? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So. And I think that's a, that's a really, that's a much better way of doing it. And that's what I think would be a much more successful way of explaining to someone who asks, like, what is an OT? Like, that's a much better way to explain it, that they're actually going to understand it. And I think that's right. where we as a profession need to do better. Because we're just, we're just not very good. We either avoid it completely or we explain it really badly. And, yeah. then, and then we complain that no one knows what we do.
1: Yeah. And I, the big one that I notice is that people over explain or provide these like exaggerated or complicated definitions of occupational therapy. And I completely understand and I'm sure you would completely understand exactly what they mean. But for someone who's never even heard of occupational therapy or seen it in motion, they're just like, okay,
0: mm.
1: <laughs> okay. That, was, that was just a
0: lot of big words, and I still don't know what you do.
1: And then they'll do the head nod and be like, "Yeah, that's that's great."
0: Cool, I'm going over right here now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right. So, um, physical therapy. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. No. And that's. Uh, I think uh, I, that's where I wonder whether. Your idea of promoting not necessarily, well, I guess promoting two different minority groups within the profession, Mm -hmm. but essentially by promoting the work of some of those minority groups would tie in really well with also being able to promote the profession itself to the general public. So it's not... I, I see a lot of things, and uh, I'll come back to the male-female example because it was in the paper that I was just reading, mm-hmm. where actually, no, that wasn't it. There was a conversation on Facebook on one of the OT groups not long ago that kind of got very, very heated very quickly. Um, I stay away from those. About uh, <laughs> I started one, so I have to be on there. <laughs> um, you. <laughs> I <don't>
1: know.
0: <laughs> not the conversation, the group. Not the conversation. <laughs> no. Uh-huh.
1: I just, I, you know, I love to, I love to go through and read when, when this is, okay, sorry, we're getting off topic, but like, I like, I I like when there's like, you know, discussion like that and tension in, in, in groups, Facebook groups and things like that. I love to just go through and read. And sometimes I'm like, yes, I see that. But yes, I see that. Okay. I see where they're coming from, but why are they saying that? You know? So being kind of like the outside looking in and reading all of those comments, it really kind of helps to give a, a good perspective anyways. Yeah. and so, I, 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 not, I think that's also I a better not, way to
0: do it yeah. because I think a lot of people, yeah. when it gets heated, they're like seeing it line by line and they get heated after each line. Whereas if you sit back and read the whole thing, like I can tell you exactly what they're saying, what they're saying, and why they're not actually seeing what each other's saying.
1: Exactly. It's very obvious exactly. in hindsight. Exactly. And you get so a bit more out of it. I just, I I usually tend to not um, engage in it, yeah. Um, because because sometimes I feel like there, there's a saying that say that if you play with a uh, if you play with a pig, you get dirty, and the pig just enjoys it, something like that. <laughs> so it's like you're not solving you're not solving anything. That. You're not. <laughs> it's I have to give you the right quote, but but you know like. You're just going in there. For me, I would just be going in there getting all upset and it wouldn't change anything. You know what I mean? So I think that for me, the healthier, uh, the healthier way for me to do to, to, to get involved is to really just look at it outside and, and just be objective and take in both sides. I think more people um, need to do that. It, and then sometimes it really just, I'm like, you know what? I never thought of it that way. Um and it kind of puts things into perspective sometimes. So I think I think, I think more think people out. need
0: to do that. I wish more people did. Because <laughs> uh, it doesn't I mean, happen very afraid. often, but some of those yeah. could some of those discussions get very heated and then people get upset. And then when you read it through after the fact, it's like, well, there's no reason that it should have ended up like this. Like you've got two very valid different points, even if one of them right. in my opinion isn't valid, it's obviously valid to that person. Right. Why can't you just have a civil discussion? It's because you got exactly. caught up in the moment of that line by line thing that happens in a thread. Uh, exactly. And, and and it's
1: not it's not healthy and um and it doesn't and it doesn't change anything for either parties at time most most of the times it doesn't change anything and nothing was accomplished.
0: <laughs> so, a lot of this so. once once a con- any conversation whether it's online, in-person, whatever, once it sort of hits over a certain, uh, I guess, emotional level, that's it, you're not changing any minds. Like It's not going anywhere once it goes over that level. If you can keep it under that level and continue civil discussion, that's how you make headway. But once it goes over that level and people start getting defensive and the topic starts changing to, you know... I guess harsher yep. and harsher things. Then mm-hmm. you, you've, it's gone too far. Just cut it.
1: Anyway, back yeah. to
0: what I was originally I, saying. Um, I, one of I, those... uh, real quick,
1: real quick, I found the quote. Oh, yeah. it's by it's by George Bernard Snow. Because he's, he's an Irish playwright, and from the 1856 to 1950s, it says, "I learned long ago never to wrestle with the pig. You get dirty, and besides, the pig likes it." <laughs> so, it's one of my favorite quotes. I love it. I've never not heard that, that anyone, not that anyone's a pig, but you know, metaphorically.
0: Um, metaphor, I metaphorically, yes. yes.
1: Yeah. I've never heard that before,
0: but I do like that. It is very. It helps it's the, very it, it, true.
1: It helps. It helps. I'm just like, you know what? This is not worth it right now. It's The age I'm of internet trolls. <laughs> I'm going to walk away right now. Yeah,
0: I'm not going <laughs> to play sorry, with the pig. Yeah. Um, it yeah. So, idea. like, one of those discussions that did actually end up getting quite heated was around. The gender mix again.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I've completely forgotten where I was going with that after all of that. I don't (laughs) know what I'm talking about.
1: When I have the people that I interview, whether they are a person of color or not, they're um, either speaking about an underrepresented group or they represent an underrepresented group. But then they're also talking about occupational therapy. So we are still continuing to advocate for the profession, which for me, is a, a huge reason for doing it on such a big platform, advocate for the profession continuously, no matter what it is I'm talking about, um, but then still having these people represented or, or these groups represented so that other people can see themselves represented in these people as well.
0: And I, I, um, I think I think that is a really important thing to do. And I know I've spoken to people who don't agree with my view on this, but... I feel, and that's why a lot of my guests will end up talking about this kind of stuff, because it's important and it's obviously an issue. Um, But I feel like actually having these conversations with each other helps with, or even people listening to these conversations, actually hearing these conversations about what is OT and the fact that we've got to promote it and that kind of stuff might help with I guess to dampen that fear of actually having those conversations so yes at the moment we're kind of talking within our profession about it but the aim for me is to make people more confident to talk about it in general so that the next time they're in a cab and the cabbie goes oh what is an OT and you'll actually be able to like feel more confident to have that discussion even though most people I know don't like actually talking to cab drivers but Right. That's a completely side topic yeah. <laughs> uh, but i I think it's i think it's more about I think we know a lot of the time like we know what we do we know what o t is right and I think it's more around like you were saying about the fear I think it's more around the confidence to actually have those discussions and I think the more often we are exposed to those discussions, the more confident we're going to be able to have them. So like me and you talking about it and me and someone else talking about it and, you know, however many people are going to listen to that conversation are also, that's the one thing I like about podcasting is it's kind of an intimate medium because you're literally, we right now are speaking directly into people's ears. Um, Right. Even when I'm listening to podcasts, like they're speaking to me. It's not like the radio where they're, you know, advertising things and they're talking to each other and that kind of thing, like they're they're speaking to me when I listen to podcasts. Um, I I feel like I'm part of that conversation a lot of the time when I'm listening to it because it is. It's like I'll listen to it with headphones or I'll listen to it in the car and it's right there. Um, But I think that uh, enables people to be exposed to those kinds of conversations more. And I, I actually really like the fact that I have never chosen, a guest specifically to have those conversations. I literally choose people that I'm I'm like, that sounds really interesting. I want to talk to that person. Or, yeah. you know, they've done something really awesome. I want to talk to that person. But those kinds of people, and again, it probably comes back to that sort of personality trait thing that we were talking about at the start. Those kinds of people think along the same, or seem to, so far, anyway, I'm sure there's going to be some that don't seem to be on a very same wavelength as I am with regards to that particular issue and the fact that we need to have those conversations and people need to be able to feel confident in having them with, you know, Joe blow down the road kind of thing.
1: Right. And I mean, like, I just really want to encourage people to take it as an opportunity to advocate for what it is that we do and be be proud of that, too, because we do amazing work, you know, and what we do is, is, I mean, we, we touch people's lives. We have that power to do that, and we should be very proud of that. And so anytime we have an opportunity to, to advocate, you know, take advantage and tell people, you know, and even if it is a little choppy or whatever. Like let that be your practice speech, you know, and then learn from that and get better for the next time and, you know, change it up for the next time or whatever. But like that's I mean, for me, it's just an opportunity, another opportunity to to put put someone onto occupational therapy. You're oh. like, look, if this is so awesome, you might want to do this. <laughs> and let me tell you why.
0: <laughs> and I think that's 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 a really good thing in that I, I actually I genuinely do believe that the vast majority of OTs are really proud of the profession and really proud of what we do. Like,
1: yeah, I've yeah. not
0: really met any OTs that go, "Oh, this profession sucks." Like, I really hate it.
1: Yeah, I have. I have yet to meet anyone. Exactly. Like
0: and then, uh, what I would love to see is that, and like you said, and that's a sentiment that I hold as well, is that we're in a really privileged position in that we get to one be a really integral part of a person's life even for a fraction of time whether it's a week a day an hour whatever it is but that that's that's a really privileged thing to be able to do for another human i want people to feel that same amount of privilege and pride for the profession in being able to explain it like you are speaking on behalf of the whole profession like you should be proud of that
1: Right. Oh, don't put don't put the pressure on. No, I'm putting the pressure on. <laughs> exactly no, pressure. Is, I'm throwing down the gauntlet. <laughs> <Exactly not pressure. laughs> yeah, I'm throwing down you the gauntlet. Put down the pressure. You know, and I think you know, I understand some people. You are probably naturally introverted, and you know, they just don't have that, you know, that confidence to speak, you know, so freely about what it is that we do. But you know, if, if someone to all does day, ask, every I think, day. I know, but (laughs) I'm, you know, I, I know some, I, you know what I know, I know, but we definitely have some people in our profession that are just very, you know, shy and introverted aside from, you know, so, so I get it. You know, some people are a little bit kind of shy and not as ready as maybe you and me are to, to start talking about it. But, you know, if someone does ask you and um, I, I think it's, it's still an opportunity to really just try to advocate and and just do it the best way that you can. Um, I mean, there's but, other but ways we,
0: to do it too. If you are really shy and yeah. you don't feel confident, like obviously I'm not asking people to, you know, go down to your local shopping center and start spruking it, like, <laughs> you know.
1: No, no, I shouldn't do that you, right now. You can now. if you really so want to. Yeah. <laughs>
0: If that's your jam. Uh, April
1: is Occupational Therapy Awareness Month, so I was already planning on buying my, like, you know, megaphone. and
0: Well, if so, you know, if that's your brushes. jam, feel free. I don't want to stop anyone <laughs> f- from doing what they're really passionate about. But I'm not <laughs> expecting everyone to do it because that would make for a very noisy shopping center. Um, but I think, like, if uh, – I think the majority of us could at least even have something, even pre-prepared, like – A little spiel to explain what, like, if just in case you don't have to, like, you know, spend an hour talking to whoever asked about, you know, what we do and that kind of thing. But I think being able to have something, some kind of little, they call it like an elevator speech ready to go for if you just in case you're asked. Um, But the other thing is that there might be other ways that, you know, someone that's really shy might feel more comfortable with, you know, it might be being involved in, you know, Reddit blog, Reddit threads and that kind of stuff. Like, there's other ways that someone who is, say, more verbally shy, like in person-to-person conversation, um, can advocate for the profession. Like, there is especially nowadays with, you know, social media and that kind of thing. Like, there's an umpteen number of ways that people can get involved in, in promoting the profession. And I think they're all valid yeah. and they're all important. As long as we're reaching yeah. people, they're all very valid. Um,
1: I definitely, I, definitely I, I just think agree. people
0: need to get involved, and I, yeah. I think in doing that, it's going to achieve multiple things. In that one, more people are going to understand what we do, so the pop the the profession can finally, you know, feel like we're known and feel appreciated and part of the team, kind of thing. From a health system point of view, it's going to help with, say, the angle that you're coming at it with, in that it's going to help promote the profession to some of the groups that at the moment are probably quite you know minority groups within the profession it's going to promote it to them and you know hopefully increase the diversity of the profession that kind of thing um, or at least expose a wider range of people to the profession so they can obviously make their own mind up Obviously, we're not trying to force people to become OTs. Right. That would not be fun.
1: Become an OT. Yeah,
0: walk around and, you know, threaten people. You're like, you have to become an OT or else. <laughs> um, but I I think just it starts with those little tiny steps. And, it, again, it comes like uh, everything's tying together in this chat. Um, what we're talking about with regards to starting YouTube or starting a podcast, like you just do it. Yes, it's going to be really feel really awkward and it's probably going to not come out as smooth and polished as you want the very first time. But guess oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> the second time's gonna be better. The third time's gonna be even better. The fourth time's gonna be even better. And that's right. how we learn.
1: Right. And that and that's what I feel like and, and that's why I felt like I just had to do something because I felt like talk was cheap. I feel like everyone was not everyone, but there's a huge, you know, there's just a lot of people that are saying, oh, we need this. We need to do this. This needs to happen. O- occupational therapy, we need more advocacy. There's not enough people who know what occupational therapy is. And people are just saying these things, but nothing is happening. Um, and, and so I feel like it was my responsibility to find a way to do that. And, I mean, it just so happened to be through YouTubeing, but then even just on social media, you know, World OT Day, or, you know, any, any time that there's an opportunity to advocate for occupational therapy, I feel like that's an opportunity. You know what I mean? Um, uh, April over here, like I said, is OT Awareness Month. You best believe I'm doing something for OT, OT Awareness Month. Um, you know, then there's like different, there's some things happening. I don't know. I'm going to get my megaphone, but like just taking advantage of, you know, days like that, weeks like that, months like that, where it's like OT day, OT month, OT, whatever, um, and advocating and putting that on different social media platforms. And so that people that aren't occupational therapists are exposed to even the word, um, and no, we don't just help people find jobs. It's more than that. So. Um, yeah.
0: So you're throwing out the, the, throwing more, out the, the challenge, challenge to everyone.
1: Yeah. So w- in, in Australia, is OT Awareness Month, do you guys have that? Is it April?
0: No, we have a OT week, which is in October.
1: Oh, okay. So it just passed.
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, it finished, so World OT Day is the 25th, I think, of October, and our OT week is the week of that. Okay. That, um, okay.
1: That, so we have
0: – Wherever that falls in that week.
1: I wonder if we have OT week. We probably don't because we have a whole month. Yeah. But. I but
0: Because uh, I used to do a fair bit of stuff for social media wise for OT Australia. I used to run all their social media um, mm, okay. profiles. And I remember running a project with a whole heap of different nations at one point, And it was us, New Zealand, the US, Canada, Ireland, I think, as well, and someone else um where we ran like I think it was during I've been our OT week we ran like a whole heap of cross promotion stuff across all the mm-hmm. national accounts yeah and that's, that's where so I found cool. out that I'm pretty sure that the U.S. is the only one that has theirs like different these have to be different
1: they <laughs> have to be different they have to be different I don't even know why it's in April who did that um uh, but everyone yeah, else I mean, has a week.
0: You're the, again the only ones that have like a whole month. Like, just gotta, yes, be, you know, just gotta try and be bigger and better enough. than everyone.
1: A week isn't good enough. It needs to be a month, I guess. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, I mean, like, I'm, I'm already, I already have ideas in mind of you know what I want to do that month, so that I am spreading the word of occupational therapy. So I just any time we have an opportunity. Or, or like an opportunity is given, like, you know, OT week, well, that's an opportunity to start spreading the word, um, even if it is, you know, once a year or whatever. Um, that's maybe 10 or 15 more people that will now know what occupational therapy is. So uh, baby steps and, and advocating any way we can, whenever we can is, I think is going to be the start to getting people and I and I like I said before targeting them while they're young because that's something that they they'll learn it early on and it'll stay with them and they'll remember it and whether or not they go into it is another thing but but they will have an idea of what it is unlike now where we have you know adults and medical professionals who who don't
0: sure, we sure
1: I hope not, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure, I'm sure I'm sure they're out there, but. I, I hope not. No, you like
0: to think not, oh but gosh. yeah. Fingers
1: crossed. I would I wouldn't put it past, but
0: no. It's I, a big world.
1: I would like <laughs> I would like to think. <laughs> I would hope not, but there's a good chance. <laughs> but I'm I'm like super excited that you know you have you started this podcast. There's a plane flying by. Um one thing I notice about People that have these different platforms, whether it's a a podcast or they start a Facebook group or a YouTube channel, it it really just stems from a desire of change. But I just find that for, for individuals that start these different, you know, medias of communicating with the masses, it really stems from a desire to change something whether it's change something within themselves or change something within the profession. Um, and I know for you, it came from like the need to change, uh, for change in the, the work environment the work that you were doing at the time and, uh, your interest in technology, that was always something that you were interested in and, and just jumping in, you know, <laughs> I interview people too. Um, <laughs> But, uh, (laughs) and so I think it's just, I think it's great. I I feel like, I mean, that shows leadership quality within you and like, um, all the other different podcasters out there. I just feel like it's just taking the initiative to do more, um, not just for yourself, but for the profession to benefit the profession. I think it's, it's great. So kudos to you.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) <laughs> I, I would I would add to that, like, I think a lot of time, like, people, a lot of the feedback I've got from it is more about, not more, but a lot of it is about, like, oh, you know, I don't know how you put yourself out there and that kind of stuff. And uh, to that, I would I would kind of say, the way I look at it, and I've done this for a few different projects, like I started MH4OT on Facebook and that kind of stuff, like that was a big project for me back in the day, it kind of takes care of itself now, but it it more stemmed from here is something that I would like to see. So at the time, which was like 2011 with MH4OT, I'm like there is no online network where mental health OTs can share resources, ask questions, have discussions, network, that kind of stuff. So right. I made one. Um, exactly. Same with this podcast. Like there was a few when I first started, like not years ago, like recently when I actually first started definitely looking into it and, yes, I'm going to start it, there was a, there was a handful of podcasts, but most of them were very uh, specific. So, you know, mm-hmm. there was one on mm-hmm. schools and there was one on um, age care and that kind of stuff. There was nothing right. just general kind of narrative, um, which is right. kind of what I will enjoy. Um I like the long long form podcasts I, a lot of the ones I was listening to were you know longer told stories you know that kind of thing and I, that's how I learn right. I learn from talking to people and I learn from listening right. to other people's stories and their experiences and that kind of stuff and I relate that to you know things I've been through and whatnot. but there was nothing that really fit exactly what I would have wanted myself in a podcast so right. I started one um, and initially for both of them, it was f- for me right. uh, as selfish as that might sound like I, it was a need nope. that I felt I had and I had no idea if it was a need that anyone else like MHRT, I don't know what it's got in there now, like 10,000, right. 8,000, 9,000 OT, something like that. But initially I'm like, <laughs> I just want to be able to find, there was nowhere I could actually find just people who worked in mental health. Like, I I, I can go into these big OT groups and I can hear all about, you know, stroke rehab and all this sort of stuff. That doesn't help me. Like, I'd I'd put a message up and go, is there any mental health OTs in here? But, you know, that's one message and then it gets lost amongst the thousands. And same with the podcast. Like, there was nothing that specifically hit what I selfishly wanted from from an OT podcast. So I made it. And it was, But that's,
1: a, that's how it is, like your desire, your desire to see change.
0: Yeah, it kind of tapped into yeah. my passion. So it's not necessarily about me putting myself out there because that's a conversation I've had right. with, with Sarah Putt quite often before she launched was she was, and rightly so, quite nervous about like what if people don't like it and what if that. And I'm like, you're doing this for you. Like when I first started this podcast, I'm like, if three people listen to it, I don't care. Like I'm doing this for me, like I have the, that's why when I choose people that I want to talk to, I'm like, they're people that I find interesting. Like they're people that I genuinely want to talk to. And that's why I feel like the conversations often go for so many hours is because it's a genuine interest and it's just essentially following your passion. So if your passion isn't podcasting, don't start a podcast. But if exactly. your passion is, right. say, YouTube or you like video editing or something, like if you like dance, like start some sort of dance-related thing, like do whatever floats your boat and exactly. you can use it. It's the same as we do in clinical practice. Like it's a strength-based medium. Like my, one of my strengths is learning new technologies and I had a real interest in audio engineering and uh, audio editing and that kind of stuff, so I learnt it. Like I didn't right. know any of that before I started this podcast and I learnt the basics to start with and then I've been learning more and more every episode and I'm f- now at a stage where I could probably say that I'm half a step above complete novice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's happening. The it's learning is slowly happening. slowly <laughs> getting
0: up there. Like I know a little bit and I only know that because I talk to other people and I'm like, oh, you should do this and they go, oh, I've never heard of that. I'm like, ah, so I do All know right. something. But it's twofold in that. One, it's, yes, I'm doing something that may help other clinicians if they want it to. I'm not targeting it. I'm not trying to shove it down people's throats in that you need to listen to this and you need to learn this. Like I have these discussions because I learn from them and other people... Someone might listen to this chat and take something out of it completely different to what I'll take out of it. It's right. completely up to all. Right. I'm there, all I'm really doing is providing the resource here. Here, here's the resource. Take from it what you want.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: And I think that's the same as, especially with your interview ones that I, I've watched a few of your. I binge watched right. like most of your, well, pretty much all of your channel in the last week or so. Um, oh, wow. But your interview ones, especially, it's the same sort of thing. Like, you're, these are the questions that you're interested in, and the topics, you know, that you obviously know some of these people, and this is their background. And like, what I take right. out of it might be very different from whatever you took out of it, but you're not trying to push an agenda kind of thing. You're just, here's some yeah. information. Here's, here's, and, here's the platter. Here's the spread. Take what you yeah. want.
1: And I think that I'm not, I think it helps to not put that pressure on on ourselves um, because this, our video or this podcast may not resonate for everyone and it's not supposed to, it's not meant to, but if someone can take something from it, whether, Oh, now they learned that occupational therapists work in schools. I didn't Mm. know that. Or, Oh, you could be a teacher. I didn't know that. Or you could be uh, the vice president of the associate. I didn't know that, you know, Mm. so I'm not, you know, I don't have an agenda with my channel. Like, I just want to, I guess you could say my agenda is to just promote, but I don't have any expectations as far as followers, views, mm. um, whether or not everyone is going to like or dislike. I don't, I try to detach myself from that because that's not why I started the channel, anyways. You yeah, know, no, exactly. It, 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 in kind of the way that you started it, it was for kind of our own selfish reasons, right? Like there was something that was missing. I wanted to do it, and now it's kind of grown into something else. But my um, by the but but the way I'm going about it, it's still very much the same. If it's something that I like, if it's resonating with me, if the people that I'm interviewing are, are sharing passions that I think need to be highlighted, you know, good energy, whatever, then that's what I'm going off of. And it makes it so much easier to have these interviews and have these discussions and, and they, they just flow. And a lot of the times when I do my interviews, like, I mean, it's so conversational, like I have some questions, but it's not, you know, it's, it ends up being a conversation, you know, and I think, the realness of that comes through in the interviews and you see their personalities and my personality, I'm just crazy anyways. Um, and so, and it just, it's a little more natural and, you know, definitely there's takes and stuff like that. And then the finished product is usually the most relaxed version of the person that I'm interviewing and it's their, it's their self and you can see the passion when they're speaking. And that's all I wanted. to, put out there you know and take what you want from it but i don't you know i try not to have those expectations because then it's no longer fun you know it's not fun for me yeah
0: and why would you do it if it's not fun exactly (laughs) and i think that's one of the whether
1: i you know whether i have 10 subscribers or whatever like that doesn't it doesn't matter to me yeah you know um but I did recently hit a hundred and I was like, wow, good. You can look at you girl. And so <laughs> I was like, I'm going to share this with people. Thank you guys. Um, but, but like, that doesn't, that doesn't make it any, it doesn't motivate me any more or less.
0: Right? Yeah. yeah. And I think on terms of that, like that's the other benefit of not having any expectations around that is that anytime you know, something cool like that does happen, it's like, wow, like that's, genuinely that's amazing like people would actually want to the fact that people would actually want to hear me ramble on about things that most people would go you're an idiot Shush. just still to this day amazes me
1: yeah I know I, I was really shocked I was like oh my gosh look at that who yeah. would have thought
0: <laughs> and, and I'm like okay, okay. I, th- I think with regards to like what we we're saying at the start with regards to personality types I genuinely think that one of the personality types that are attracted to OT are people that are really creative and i think that amongst the profession i, th- I think this is where uh, or could be like a growth area for the profession is in medium like podcast youtube blog space blogs probably a little bit more popular than than some of the other ones but content creators There's not, on terms of the size of the profession and the fact that I I firmly believe that one of the um, sort of personality traits values that a lot of OTs hold is creativity and we need it a lot of the time for the work we actually do. We need to come up with creative solutions to problems that you know might be a little bit more complex than just tick box prescribed kind of thing. Right. I, I think that there's more than likely a lot of potential content creators out there that due to fear, due to not knowing about certain medium, due to something aren't utilising what could be a really strong uh, tool, I guess, for one, for themselves. Like I said, I've always said with regards to this podcast, like this is a creative project for me. It's not... For any other reason other than I wanted to learn how to, you know, do some audio engineering and some audio editing, and I like to talk to people, and I was like, "Why don't I combine the two and send it out to the internet and see what happens?" Yeah, I think there's a lot of people that probably could tap into their own uh, creative passion and create some content, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be about OT. But I think I think there's a lot of OTs that. It, it, it may contribute to their burnout when they don't tap into or they don't feel that sort of creative need that they have, but they're just not actually doing anything with it.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I, you know, what I, I like to encourage people because I think I feel like a lot of the practi- o, uh, OT practitioners that I've met, they're so like friendly, inviting, welcoming, and just willing to help. And I just highly encourage anyone who has any type of interest whatsoever in doing a similar project, whether it is podcasting or blogging or starting a channel to reach out to other OT, um, OT, OT practitioners that are doing similar projects. And I can almost guarantee you that they would be willing to help. Mm. I mean, like I reached out to um, OT Mary and she's like the queen of NBC OT, you know, YouTube videos And she, like, she wrote back and she offered advice and like, how great is that? This, you know, individual who has like, I don't know how many subscribers, thousands, um, is willing to take the time out and share her experience and knowledge with me, someone who's starting out. So, I mean, if ever, you know, if there's anyone who has the slightest interest, I'm I'm pretty sure that if you reached out to anyone in the field that's doing something similar, you would get support too. So don't be afraid. And if you're afraid, just reach out to any one of us and I'm sure we can help provide some kind of I mean, you obviously,
0: you obviously know what kind of content you like already. I'd say, I would say even if you're not sure what your sort of niche might be, whatever content you're consuming is more than likely what you're going to be more driven to put out. Like for me, I consumed a lot of podcasts. It just seemed almost natural. I consume more podcasts than I ever did like YouTube videos or anything like that. So for me, this is the kind of natural thing. Like for people that are really drawn to YouTube videos, creating that kind of content is probably going to be a really good thing. For people that, you know, wake up in the morning and start reading blog posts, like that's probably going to be your thing. Like if you're not sure like where you should go with it the content that you're consuming is more than likely going to be the content that you're probably going to be or or going to enjoy creating the most.
1: Yeah. I, I so agree with that. Like, I remember uh, someone was asking me, Oh, why don't you do blogging? And I'm like, I don't like writing. So why would I do that? (laughs) Like, I love reading. I love, you know, and, and that's fine, but I, I don't want to be the one doing the writing. So no, I will not be blogging. Um, but, and I love listening to podcasts and I think that I could do podcasting, but I watch a lot of YouTube videos and it's it's just random videos on how to do this, that, 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 and that. Like you said, I think it just kind of naturally lended mm. itself to what I, the avenue that I chose. Now, I did not know the amount of work that went into creating YouTube videos. <laughs> so man, I don't, yeah, <laughs> that was a, a little bit of a, sh- a shock. I knew that there was some editing involved but man, iMovie is like my best friend now like me and iMovie. Woo Besties. Yes. <laughs> now we'll see maybe maybe I'll eventually I'll go into another different editing program software but this is free and so like you know like I, like I said, you don't need a lot of these things are provided. We don't even need to you know to buy fancy equipment to get started. So I started with my phone. And my laptop, I started with my laptop, literally my laptop for the camera and iMovie. And then I went on to my phone and yep. iMovie and I've, I've grown from there. So don't be fearful people. And we're here to support you if, if you need it.
0: There's, there's a, an easily, accept, and there's again, this is what we do. There is an easily accessible way to engage in these occupations. Yes. Just ask your friendly yes. local IT and they will be able to assist you. <laughs> I think we've promoted. Get out there and make things. Put it on the internet.
1: Go. Go make a YouTube channel now.
0: That's right. Go Do create it.
1: a blog post. Do it go. Or else. Oh, my goodness. I know some really good blog post writers. Um, but if you guys are curious about that, I will direct you to a few. Feel um, free. Um, but if, yeah. you,
0: if you swing me the links, I'll put it in the show notes for this episode. Oh,
1: yay. Send me your
0: favorite. Whatever your favorite blog posts are, I'll, I'll put the websites up so people can check them out. Oh,
1: I'm sending it it <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yes where can people find you Pro- promote the th- promote uh, the hell out of your stuff tell me yeah, everything. so
1: people it, uh, people can find me on youtube at alondra la ot a l o n d r a l a o t um i am also on twitter same handle alondra la ot Instagram, Alondra La O T, and you can always email me at Alondra the O T at gmail.com. Someone took it. I have to say the OT.
0: Someone oh, they stole it. <laughs> They're probably saying the same thing about your YouTube channel. Like someone stole the YouTube channel.
1: I know. I try. I'm like, who who else is Alondra la OT? But no, there's no one out there. It's just me. <laughs>
0: No, that's cool. I'll yeah. I'll add those links into the show notes as well. I'll link to one of your videos, and that way people can easily find you and all of your stuff and get in contact and yeah. say, "Help me, Alejandra! Yeah. I want to start a YouTube Gosh. channel."
1: Yeah, 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 yeah! I'm so happy.
0: <laughs> well, thank you, thank you so much for for doing this. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yes,
1: yeah, thank you so much for having me.